Today on Not Sam Wrestling, I was live in person for WWE's Madison Square Garden show on Saturday night. I wasn't live in person, but I did watch AEW Revolution. Vince McMahon was on Pat McAfee's show. Ring of Honor has a new owner. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York... Here is Sam Roberts. Oh, boy. How are we? Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 385 of Not Sam Wrestling. Hope everybody's doing great. How could you not be doing great with so much going on? I tell you. As the weeks click down towards WrestleMania, we're just past AEW Revolution. I feel like, and look, we all live in these worlds now, the way the internet works. I feel like we all live in online worlds that are every, every day becoming more and more curated just for us. Like, I feel like wrestling owned the weekend. I feel like all day Saturday, the world was talking about this Madison Square Garden house show. And all day Sunday, the world was talking about revolution. But also, maybe I've just been doing this for so long and I, I just click on so many things. The, 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 the internet world around me has just been curated into what I'm going to click on. I don't know for sure. But instead of talking about our dystopian internet future, why don't we talk about wrestling here on Not Sam Wrestling? We'll start with the weekend that was. And I mean, it was a big week leading up to the weekend that was. Think about what we got, right? On Wednesday, we find out that Tony Khan has purchased Ring of Honor. Something Thursday was the Vince McMahon interview. On Thursday, we get Vince McMahon sitting down live with Pat McAfee for an hour and a half. I don't know what the hell. Oh, yeah. Friday, there was just this little show called SmackDown. That's all. Just a little a, a little wrestling show called SmackDown. And then, of course, Saturday, the Garden, Sunday Revolution. We'll talk about it all. Uh, we'll start with Saturday. I made my return to the most famous arena in the world, Madison Square Garden. I couldn't stay away. I didn't necessarily plan far in advance to be there. But once the day came and, you know, my friends started buzzing, hey, are you going? Hey, are you going? I'm telling you right now, if you want to know a little secret about me, if you want to get me to go to a wrestling show, ask me if I'm going to a wrestling show. Because I can stop myself from going to a wrestling show until somebody asks me, hey, are you going to this wrestling show? That's how Michael Cole got me a week ago. Hey, where are you right now? I'm at home. Are you going to the show in Hershey, Pennsylvania? Uh, yes. <laughs> it works like that with any show. I got hit up on like, I don't know, Friday. Hey, are you going to the garden show? Ah, almost made it. Almost made it all the way. Yes, of course I'm going to the garden show. So I get to spend some time with the custom shoe god himself. Not even custom shoe god anymore because he's got his own shoe company now. The shoe god himself, Mosh. This is the guy who makes Becky Lynch's sneakers. The guy who made... All the Nikki Bella dunks that Nikki Bella was wearing, those are Mosh Originals. How about the Jordan 1s that Liv Morgan wore that went all the way up her leg to her knee? Mosh made them. Mosh has made so many sneakers for so many people, and now he's he's gone past just making the most exclusive high-level customs, and he's got his own brand like he he sells he designs sneakers that he sells now he's got his own company it's an amazing thing but he's also a wrestling fan so when a guy hits me up who's a wrestling fan and a sneaker god and it's like yo are you going to the garden i go i don't know if that was an invitation or not but that's how i'm taking it so i got to go to the garden I got to spend some time with Mosh, got to spend some time with Brandon Walker from the Barstool Wrestling podcast. Uh, there were, I mean, anybody that was sitting near us 
uh, at the Garden. I, I get excited, man. Wrestling excites me. And this is why, you know, I go to these shows. I go as a fan. I don't tell anybody in the company that I'm going. You know, I get tickets with a buddy and I go through the front door and sit where my ticketed seat is. And I just get lost in it. At one point, Brandon Walker and myself were literally out loud doing commentary for the show that was happening right in front of us. And it was one of those things, like people started turning around and I was like, oh shit, I forgot. People are listening. People can hear. I was just having fun. I was losing myself in the music, the moment, and I was owning it. It was great. It was so much fun with those guys. But it was also just a great show. A lot of opinions about the show, of course. There was a lot of buzz leading into this, especially for a, a live event. Um, firstly, the fact that it had been promoted as much as it had on television. I was convinced up until just a few days before the event, I was convinced that they were going to get some cameras in there and put it up on Peacock so that everybody could be a part of this thing. They did not. They they had some producers there, and they made videos that they instantly put on social media, which they don't do for a lot of live shows. But, you know, I mean, it's not as easy as just, I'm going to bring a stripped-down camera crew into an arena, and then we're going to broadcast the show. Like, if you're going to broadcast a show out of an arena, there's a whole different set of licensing fees, there's union fees, there's uh, production elements that have to be taken care of. Like, it's not as easy as just, you know, getting somebody in with a camcorder and plugging it into Peacock, and then we can all enjoy it. It's tough. Even a stripped-down set would require some kind of satellite truck to zap it, unless you did it through the internet, I guess. I don't know. It'd be complicated. But I do wish they would do it. That's not to say they shouldn't do it. You know, I, I I would love it if they did it. I wish that every Saturday they put whatever, wherever they were, I wish that, that they put those house shows. Because back in the day, uh, a lot of arenas were attached to cable networks. So like Madison Square Garden, for example, was attached, to, or and still is to this day, is attached to the Madison Square Garden cable network. And up until 1996, 1997... They, they kind of really started bringing it down in 96, 97. That was like the end of it. But they used to broadcast the Madison Square Garden house shows on the Madison Square Garden cable channel. Uh, but only people in the New York area could get the Madison Square Garden cable channel. They would do the Boston Garden house shows on, on Boston's cable channel that was attached to the Boston Garden. And there were several arenas that had those cable deals that would get the house shows televised and that's why you know when the WWE network launched and they had like the hidden gems section and the old school section of the old WWE 24/7 cable channel those would all be the televised versions of the house shows that the national audience never got but you know they've done it here and there when they did it they haven't done it on Peacock yet but they did it on the WWE Network a couple times. They did it for the Starcade show. They did it for the last Dean Ambrose show. And those are just so fun. I love that last Dean Ambrose show because talked about stripped down. That was super old school. That was like Michael Cole and Renee Young calling it, like doing commentary on a table that was right next to the ring apron, like a folding table, like really old school. It was It was a lot of fun. Um, and house shows are so much fun. I, I I feel like the thing about live events is that obviously what's going to draw people is the names and the matches, right? Like, oh, shit, Roman Reigns is going to be here. Brock Lesnar is going to be here. We got to check this out. But realistically, for a wrestling fan, for a WWE fan, I mean, these are the shows to go to. I would I would rather go to a, a an awesome live event than most TV tapings just because it's all wrestling. It's all good matches. It's a lot of times you get to see people just doing whatever it is that they want to do to an extent. You know, they're not going crazy out there. But the timing isn't quite as as strict. You know, we're not on live TV. Every single moment isn't being watched. It's just like we can experiment. That's the way to put it. We can experiment. It's like seeing comedy in a comedy club versus going to a taping of SNL. It's just a different vibe, man. And it's a lot of fun. And I, w I, I feel like if more 
of the live events ended up on Peacock, even if it was a day later, people might get the sense of like, oh, this is a really fun sort of live thing to be a part of. I want to go to that. But this one, you know, was 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 catching a lot of attention first because they were promoting it on television so much. You know, it started right after Elimination Chamber. It was almost like this was a stop on the road to WrestleMania. Right after Elimination Chamber, Paul Heyman started bringing it up both on Raw and SmackDown. That Brock Lesnar, first they said Bobby Lashley, then they said, they did say before the show, like they said on television, Bobby Lashley's not going to be there. Jimmy Smith said it on one of the episodes of Raw. But they said Brock Lesnar's going to defend the title at Madison Square Garden and he's going to lose the title before he goes to WrestleMania. And that level of like, oh, this is this is canon. This is not just a, a house show that we'll never mention again. This is canon. We've got to be there for it. And you, I mean, in hindsight, maybe it really just was because WWE holds Madison Square Garden in such high regard that they were like, you know, we want to get as many people in that building as humanly possible. And if that means promoting it on live television as if it were a pay-per-view, then that's what we're going to do. I don't know. Um, but then that was the other story, right? Then everybody started really paying attention to the ticket sales and going like, you know, everybody on Twitter. That's when the internet, like on the TV side of it, the sort of mainstream, well, I don't want to say the internet's not mainstream, but the TV side of it, the sort of casual side of it was very like, oh, they've been talking about this on, on Raw and SmackDown a lot. What's going to happen here? And then two things were happening on the internet. Number one, everybody coming out with opinions on the, uh, the size of the crowd, Oh, they're not selling tickets. They're not selling tickets. They're not selling tickets. Bro, I, you, sitting in that building, nobody could have possibly thought to themselves, well, this wasn't a success. I mean, it, it seemed like for the setup that they had, the vast majority of tickets had been sold and the crowd was loud and hot for the entire night. From 7.30 to 10.30, the crowd was in to just about everything that was being fed to them. It was it, it was it was a great show with a great crowd. And it, it by no stretch of the imagination looked empty. You can see the pictures that I posted. There's not like, you know, spots where you can see like, oh, that that, that doesn't look full. So, there was that and then there was also, you know, all the speculation Right, the speculation as to who is going to be Brock Lesnar's opponent, Roman Reigns' opponent. Also, it wasn't announced. First, it was announced as Seth Rollins. Then that match, they stopped announcing that match and just said Roman Reigns will be defending the title. So they didn't actually say what any of the matches would be, I don't think. They said Ronda Rousey will be competing, Roman Reigns defending the title, Brock Lesnar defending the title. Um, so I think there were some there was some speculation about Roman's title defense. I think most people figured it would be Seth, um, but then a lot about Brock's title defense. Um, this is where the controversy arose. So I'll tell you about the rest of the show. Uh, it, and, and this is why it was, a, it was ultimately a noteworthy show. More so than any other live event would be, I believe. You know, you had uh, Usos in the New Day, man. People talk a lot about the best tag teams in the world. But if you're not putting the Usos and the New Day in that conversation, I don't know what you're doing because they it's just so there's never a time where I'm gonna go this match again. Like when they announced this next match is for scheduled for one fall for the SmackDown Tag Team Championship and the New Day's music starts playing, I go, fantastic. Usos versus New Day. Right in front of my face. I'll watch that all day long. So that was fantastic. Uh, they did uh, Kevin Owens in uh, Miz TV. And Kevin Owens did play the the good guy. He did play the baby face with the Miz, which was interesting. Um, but they did also mention Kevin Owens' disdain for Texas in the conversation. So that's still afoot. You had Sami Zayn come out. Sami Zayn embraced Kevin Owens, which was a cool moment to see. And then, Or Kevin Owens embraced Sami Zayn, I should say. And then Sami Zayn issued an open challenge. I think some people thought it would be Ricochet, but Drew McIntyre came out and creamed him. Creamed him. It was good. And uh, yeah, uh, Raw oh yeah, the opener was 
uh, Gable and Otis versus RK Bro. That was fantastic. I mean, Gable gets to come to the ring with the microphone now, lighting everybody up. Everybody's psyched to see uh, Randy and Riddle. So good. Um, and then uh, the Ronda Rousey match was Ronda and Naomi versus Charlotte and um, Sonya Deville. And that match was noteworthy because Charlotte tapped out to Ronda. You know, they make a big deal about Charlotte not tapping out. At Madison Square Garden, uh, Ronda got the leg. Charlotte escaped. But before she could escape all the way, Ronda locked the arm, got Charlotte in the arm bar. And on the way to WrestleMania, Charlotte tapped out to Ronda Rousey. And I'm sure that that will be brought up on SmackDown. It would have to be. They've brought up the fact that, look, Charlotte doesn't really quit. Well... She, Ronda Rousey has tapped out Charlotte and she did it at Madison Square Garden. The other, an, another match that was one that Roman Reigns was never able to win was the one with Seth Rollins, you know? Leading to the Royal Rumble, the story was that every time there's a big match between Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins, Rollins is able to win. And even at the Royal Rumble match itself, Roman Reigns ended up losing, technically, by disqualification. Roman Reigns did not beat Seth Rollins decisively. He left with the title, but he did not beat Seth Rollins decisively. So Seth came out for the match. I mean, dude, Roman is such a star. It's not even like the reaction that Roman gets. It's not even like, uh-oh, the heel's getting the babyface reaction. It's just like, you know, the biggest star in the industry is walking to the ring right now. It's a different deal when Roman Reigns walks to the ring. It is amazing to see. And his match with Seth Rollins was not a long one. It was about five minutes probably. I wasn't timing it, but it was somewhere around there. And he choked him out. Seth Rollins went to sleep. Good night. It was as decisive as any match I've ever seen. Roman Reigns defeats Seth Rollins. So if it comes up again, Madison Square Garden was where it happened. Of course, the main event of the night is Brock Lesnar. And who is Brock Lesnar going to be facing? Now, this is where I don't think... Okay. Nobody in the building left disappointed that I witnessed. I walked out of the building with the entire crowd. I was with the crowd as it was all happening. By the end of the night, nobody was bummed. Everybody was like, man, that was a great show. Because it was really good. But online, the reaction was different. You know, the experts all had opinions about this because the mystery opponent for Brock Lesnar had been hyped so much. And I'm not going to blame the internet. There are some people going like, well, the dirt sheets are the one that hyped it. Well, yes, the dirt sheets did hype it. You know, all day there were Wrestling websites going like, oh, I don't know. Things are very secretive at the garden. There's not any news breaking from the garden. And it's like, or maybe they're just putting together the house show right now. Or maybe the, it's just not leaking at the moment, you know? But, because clearly there wasn't any sort of, unless they just wanted this sort of kind of aura of, I don't know what's going to happen tonight to maintain in the air. But Paul Heyman came out and Austin Theory came out as Brock Lesnar's opponent, which it's not the reason you can't blame the dirt sheets for building the hype is that Paul Heyman specifically on television said that Brock Lesnar is not going to leave Madison Square Garden with the title. And he said it multiple times. So it's almost like not that you necessarily expect Brock Lesnar to lose the title at the Garden, but you expect for the opponent to be somebody that Paul Heyman actually thinks is going to win the title. That, I think, is valid. You know, whether it be, there were a lot of people, AJ Styles was the whisper that I was hearing a lot, because I guess at some point AJ Styles said he would be at Madison Square Garden. He went, I don't know. But, you know, and, and a lot of people thought Cody. A lot, and of course I wanted it to be Cody Rhodes. Of course, I wanted to be sitting in the in Madison Square Garden as Cody Rhodes comes out to challenge Brock Lesnar. Are you kidding me? The Undertaker was in town doing an autograph signing the morning of the show. From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. or whatever it was, The Undertaker was in Queens, New York doing a signing. 
I wanted The Undertaker to come out and beat Brock Lesnar for the title. I don't care. I'm sitting in Madison Square Garden. I want to see something special. But all that said, they're literally building Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar as the biggest WrestleMania match of all time. When you turn on Raw, when you turn on SmackDown, and they go, oh, and the main event of WrestleMania just happens to be the biggest match in the history of WrestleMania. They're not bringing out Cody Rhodes to beat Brock Lesnar at a live event and then the next day going like, well, Cody Rhodes may have beaten him, but this is still the biggest match in the history, like... We've got to all get comfortable with the fact that the road that we're on right now is the Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns show. That's why both titles are on the line. That's why all this is happening. They're not going to do anything that lowers the value of Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, I don't think, no matter who it elevates. Forgive the interruption. I know we're on the road to WrestleMania, but what if I told you that while we're on the road to WrestleMania and your mind is full of visions of what's going to happen next in the world of sports entertainment, that you don't have to worry about putting your partner on the back burner? What if I told you that you could have the confidence that you're going to be able to maintain for that person? What if I told you that even if your mind is elsewhere, even if, if if Raw just went off the air and your partner goes, hey, I need it and I need it now, you're going to be able to deliver 10 times out of 10 and you're going to be able to do it for free. You'd say, Sam, you're a damn liar. I'm not a damn liar. I happen to have a connection with the good folks of Blue Chew. Yeah, Blue Chew, the online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets. That means you can take them anytime, day or night, sleep or wake. Well, you probably can't take them while you're sleeping, but right before you go to sleep, you could take them. And you don't have to plan in advance. You can. You can be ready way in advance, but you can also be ready at a moment's notice. Look, the process is simple. You go to bluechew.com, you sign up, you consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, You get your prescription within days. You don't have to talk to anybody about it in person. You have to go to a doctor's office, a pharmacist. It's in discreet packaging. Your mailman isn't even going to know. You know who is going to know? Your partner, your spouse, whoever it is that you're sharing your boudoir with. They're going to know. There's something different, but I'm not going to ask because I like what I'm feeling. And what they're going to be feeling is you with the help of Blue Chew. I know what you're thinking. Sam, you said you could do this for free. How? Well... For listening to Not Sam Wrestling, you get to try Blue Chew for free. That's right. When you use our promo code NOTSAM at checkout, all you have to do is pay the $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code NOTSAM, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. You understand? So, yeah. When Austin Theory comes out, I go, huh, okay. I mean, he was great. Austin Theory came out, he cut an an incredible promo. Austin Theory just doesn't fail. Austin Theory, from SmackDown on Friday, starting what he started with McAfee, to then jump on a plane from Miami to New York, go to Madison Square Garden, knowing that that crowd thought there was going to be a big surprise, And here comes Austin Theory to heal it up and get in the ring with Brock Lesnar. And he's got to be confident enough to talk his trash to Brock Lesnar, to his face, in the ring, in Madison Square Garden, when people don't want to see him. And he nailed it, bro. Austin Theory is having a moment. Do you know, regardless of how you feel, do you know what it must feel like to be Austin Theory right now, to be in that moment where you're entrusted to be the guy that's going to main event with Brock Brock Lesnar, where you're the guy that's entrusted to be the guy who's going to be in the match with Pat McAfee. It's incredible. So Austin Theory was not a great challenge for Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar nailed him with four suplexes. He was able to count along with the crowd because he's a babyface now. F5, Austin Theory goes down. 
Roman Reigns comes out. Brock Lesnar gets the best of Roman Reigns. The Usos come out. Brock Lesnar gets the best of the Usos. Paul Heyman gets in the ring with a chair. Brock Lesnar is about to take out Paul Heyman until Roman Reigns hits Brock from behind. And that's where the beatdown starts. And I've got to tell you something. And this is where you just can't take anything away from Roman Reigns and from the Bloodline story. Because regardless of what people wanted out of Brock Lesnar's opponent at this garden show, once Roman Reigns and the Usos and Brock Lesnar were in the ring and there was real physicality, not a push-push pull-apart, not a, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to get you at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to get you real, like, physicality. We're beating the stuffing out of each other. There wasn't one person in that building that wished it was anyone other than Roman and Brock. And that's what you have to keep in mind. That to bring in anyone else to distract from this story, because this is one of those times where there have been plenty of times, plenty of times, where the WWE has decided to put the entire machine behind one story. And that's not what fans want. This isn't one of those times. You can pull up as many tweets as you want about people that are complaining about Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I was in the building. There wasn't anyone that those of us that were in Madison Square Garden wanted to see fighting besides Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, especially they throw the stairs in the ring. Roman Reigns nails Brock Lesnar in the face with a chair. Brock Lesnar gets busted open, and I mean wide open. I mean he gets LeGrecked to the face, busted open. Bleeding like a stuck pig, this guy is. Just blood all over his face. Everyone, you could have seen it in the nosebleeds. The crimson mask overcame Brock Lesnar. And as Roman dragged a bloodied Brock Lesnar and draped him across the stairs and stood over Brock as he held up both titles, it was a moment. It was a moment in time, and there wasn't one person in that building that didn't realize that they just had fun at a great live event that ended with a real-life moment. It was so cool. And look, if Brock hadn't bled, would it have been different? Very possibly. If Roman hadn't done all of what he had done, would it have been different? Very possibly. But ultimately, nobody left that show going, they did it again. Like, that doesn't exist. I don't agree with this idea that the internet wrestling fan is a specific type of wrestling fan because there aren't that many wrestling fans that don't have the internet. Most people are on the internet now. Like, that's not a... The internet wrestling fan is not this tiny little subsect. But that said, Twitter, for example, is not the real world. If you're in a conflict with somebody on Twitter and then you let your phone run out of battery and you go outside for a while and you just walk around your neighborhood, you realize like, oh, maybe I was getting too wrapped up in this internet stuff. There's real life things happening and nobody here cares about my Twitter account. The same thing could be said for sports entertainment, for professional wrestling. Like if you just put Twitter down for a while, you'll realize that like, oh, there's this whole other world going on where it's like, oh yeah, this is actually really cool what's happening right in front of my face. So, you know, I mean, I, I the only people I've heard about after the Roman Lesnar confrontation, before the Roman Lesnar confrontation, people were uneasy with Austin Theory. They were like, this has to be of this, like this has to be a red herring. Like this has to be, he has to be a patsy. This has to be a setup for something else. And maybe on paper, if you had said, yeah, it's a setup for Roman to come in at the end, maybe you would, you'd be like, oh, well, that's not as exciting as I was thinking. But the way it was executed, not one person left dissatisfied that I saw. Not one. And I saw a lot of people. There were people on the internet that were like, 
oh, WWE's doing what WWE does. What, putting on fucking awesome live shows? Come on, come on, dude. You see that picture? Go on my Instagram. Go on the Not Sam Instagram. And look at Roman Reigns standing over Brock. And tell me that that's not fire. I saw it. That's how I got that picture. It was awesome. So yeah, had a lot of fun at the uh, at the show. I also, you know, there was uh, speaking of, okay. So speaking of controversy, let's talk about this controversy, right? We did the we 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 witnessed uh, the Vince McMahon Pat McAfee interview. The vast majority of people loved it. Uh, there were some that didn't think it was like uh, prying enough. You know, we didn't get the uh, the the dirt. We didn't get the info out of Vince that it was too safe. I disagree entirely. I think that the you have to understand that there is a a value to getting to eavesdrop in to the way a guy like Vince McMahon's brain works. And I and I I got in depth and played some clips from it on the Sam Roberts Now YouTube show. So if you want to go to the non-wrestling channel, youtube.com slash not Sam and check that out, feel free. Uh but to me, what Pat McAfee did that was such uh, I don't know if I attribute what was so beneficial to all of us wrestling fans was that he allowed us, I believe for the first time and quite possibly the only time, he allowed us to spend 90 minutes in the brain of Vince McMahon. It wasn't about, hey, answer for this, answer for that. It was, hey, dude, like we're just hanging out here. This is what it's like to just hang out with Vince McMahon. And, and and Pat brought up all the stuff. Like, like we got an explanation as to why WWE says sports entertainment instead of pro wrestling. Wouldn't you rather be a WWE superstar than a pro wrestler? It sounds better to me. Vince, that's a great point. You sound right. I don't know how I argue with that. I mean, there was so many little moments like that. Just, just I don't know. I'm that type of fan. I'm that type of person. I want to get into Vince's head and see how he ticks. I want to see, here's the the main takeaway I got, that that dude showed up and was sharp as a tack for the entire 90 minutes. Vince McMahon was, for anybody that says that he's like, I don't know, the, the old man's getting old. I didn't, that's not the, what I, that's not, it wasn't my takeaway from the interview. I saw him sit down with McAfee for 90 minutes. I saw him quick. I saw him witty. I saw him interesting. And I saw a guy that could have gone on for another 90 minutes. I thought Pat did an excellent job. Um, I thought he did an excellent job demonstrating what it's like to just hang out and have a beer with the boss. That's not a, that's not an easy thing to do. And let me tell you, there's two reasons why it's a very difficult thing to do. Number one, it's tough to get Vince in the room. And number two, you'd be shitting your pants talking to that guy. And I know that because I'd be shitting my pants talking to that guy. You have to be able, you have to have the ability as a broadcaster to have that casual conversation with Vince McMahon, to carry that casual conversation with Vince McMahon and to maintain your spot. I mean, that's a difficult thing to do. And Pat pulled it off with flying colors. Pat is contributing great things to wrestling. Don't ever sleep on 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 the contributions that that dude is making to wrestling. And now we go to WrestleMania, and I have no doubt that he's going to have a great match with Austin Theory. I do wonder. I do wonder if at some point there is ever going to be an explanation from wrestling journalists as to how things can get so muddled. Okay. I don't think that most of the wrestling journalists are liars. I don't think so. They could be. I don't think so. I don't even think that, well, they, I don't know if they're good people or bad people. I don't, they don't seem like bad people to me. They're probably good people. They report. But do they ever come to terms with the fact that maybe, maybe their sources aren't good? Anybody that's worked in any type of corporate environment knows that people who don't, actually know the answers to things, people that aren't actually privy to certain information will still talk and gossip about it. I mean, how many of you work for a company and have been in a break room 
where some like under lower middle management person is like, you know what the company's doing is this, that, and this. And and it's not true. Like if you talk to anybody that it has any position of authority or has any is tapped in at all with the decision makers, they'd go, yeah, no, that's not true. The kernel of it is this, but it was passed down through 10 people before it got to you. And that's why you think that that's true. It's happened to me in radio. I wonder if like when stuff gets reported as this is definitely happening. And then they just go like this. There was internal memos. I'm talking about the fact that like Vince, apparently Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee was a hundred. Here's what Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee. I was told by the internet is happening at WrestleMania. And I was told that Vince McMahon was going on Pat McAfee's show to start an angle. Well, I watched 90 minutes and I saw Pat get offered a match, but I didn't see any angle. And I watched SmackDown and I didn't even see a hint of, well, it's Vince McMahon versus Pat McAfee, but Austin Theory is going to interfere or something like that. I didn't even see a hint of it. So if there was internal documents that said, why has nobody ever been able to supply these internal documents? Well, they're internal. So everything else gets leaked, but the internal documents don't? Look, maybe it's true. Maybe they exist. Maybe they just decided on Friday that instead of doing this big Vince McMahon, Pat McAfee match, it's going to be Austin Theory. Or... Maybe a guy said a thing to a guy who told you that and it's time to start looking at different sources for this information. And maybe it's time that we all just allow things to play out a little bit and then make our opinions on it. I got no problem with people having opinions on this stuff. I got no problem if you think that the Austin Theory-Pat McAfee match is good, bad. Like, let's talk about it. But the the weird context in which this all started, it's just crazy. It's crazy on the internet. The internet is crazy right now. Cody Rhodes is definitely coming to WWE. Cody Rhodes is not coming to WWE. Steve Austin is definitely, it's not going to be a confrontation. It's going to be a full-on match. Well, it might just be a confrontation. Like, where is this stuff coming from? And they'd say, well, I, everything's changing. It's crazy over there. Everything's changing. Is it? Okay, if you say so. I believe you, I guess. <laughs> oh, it's a wild time, though. It is a wild time. And I'll tell you that, in my opinion, you know, I talked about New Kayfabe um, on the show a few weeks back. And I thought the Vince McMahon, Pat McAfee interview was a fabulous example of New Kayfabe. And it was a great demonstration of the level that Vince is thinking on. Because if you were not thinking a few levels deep, you would go on McAfee's show and you would start an angle, right? But let's say you go, because there were people theorizing that like, oh, Vince is going to go on Pat McAfee's show and then Austin Theory is going to jump out of this other studio and then Austin Theory is going to jump Pat McAfee on the show. And, and it's like, if Austin Theory jumps Pat McAfee on Pat McAfee's show, it's not a, a mainstream news story because people don't know who Austin Theory is yet. Wrestling fans know who Austin Theory is yet, but Pat McAfee getting jumped by Austin Theory on Pat McAfee's show, number one, is not a mainstream story. And number two, who knows if Pat's non-wrestling audience would be into that or not. But Vince McMahon sitting down with Pat McAfee for 90 minutes, number one, that's a mainstream news story. That doesn't happen. Number two, I believe that Pat's non-wrestling audience probably found that conversation as fascinating as I did. And then you take that momentum and use it as the foundation to build to a WrestleMania match. 
So the press that they'll get for the WrestleMania match is that Pat McAfee is having a match. That's why they announced it like that on McAfee's show, I think. This is all stuff that I make up in my head and I am willing to admit it. I believe that they announced it that way because that's the headline to put in there. Vince McMahon did a a 90-minute interview on Pat McAfee's show and Pat is going to have a match at WrestleMania. And then they take that national attention and then they bring it into their wrestling world where they can start the Austin Theory storyline and stuff. Because if they do that storyline at the moment where they're trying to get the national attention, they won't get the national attention because it will feel wrestling. It will feel like pro wrestling. It won't feel like, oh, there's something organic happening here. And that's that, that to me, seeing how it played out on SmackDown and everything, that to me was probably the most brilliant move of all. That you didn't have Austin Theory doing pro wrestling stuff on Pat's show. Then instead, you did a re- you did a real interview. You stayed within the universe of the Pat McAfee show, and then you brought that into SmackDown as the foundation to do what you do on SmackDown. I thought it was really smart. I thought it was the way to go. Speaking of really smart, uh, I'm interested to see what happens with this uh, Tony Khan Ring of Honor buyout. If we are uh, I'm imagining that it's primarily for the tape library, which I'm glad that the tape library has a home. You know, I'm I'm glad that, because that is stuff. The Ring of Honor tape library is very, very important to the history of pro wrestling. I mean, so many stars were built there. Generations of stars that became both WWE and AEW household names started and built in Ring of Honor. And it was the stuff that they did in Ring of Honor that got the attention from those mainstream people, including the stuff that Cody and the Bucks and Kenny Omega were doing. Yeah, they were doing stuff in New Japan, but they, I mean, the the Bullet Club and what they were doing in the States was all Ring of Honor stuff. And it was huge. Hey, sorry for the interruption, but this is important. I'm sure you know by now that Not Sam Wrestling is one of the longest running wrestling podcasts in the history of the world. But what you might not realize is it's all because of the support of people like you. If you would like to keep continuing to support this podcast, you can do it for free. All you have to do is, first of all, make sure you're subscribed to the show and that you download the podcast every single week. Wherever you download the podcast from, make sure that you've left us a review and a five-star rating. Did you know you can now rate podcasts on Spotify as well? If you're listening on Spotify and you haven't yet, go over, give us a five-star rating. You want extra content for free? No problem. You can help us by subscribing to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash NotSamWrestling, where we post video content from this show every single week. And if you'd like to go the extra mile, if you're looking for even more content, if you want a bonus show every week, if you want to jump on Zoom calls with me, if you want to get the opportunity for merchandise, if you want extra video content, become a NotSamShill. Go to patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling. It starts at less than a dollar a week. You can become a NotSam show. Hey, do any of it. Do none of it. Do whatever you think is right. But I appreciate your support and your continued listenership of NotSamWrestling. They also get all in with the tape library, the pay-per-view that AEW didn't actually have ownership of because Ring of Honor produced that show. So they get that. So, you know... I mean, if there's a streaming service where you can get all the AEW stuff and all the Ring of Honor stuff, yeah, count me in, man. I'm there. I was a, I've been a member of the Ring of Honor streaming service, so I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be there for that, especially, especially, especially if you can get the pay-per-views on that service. And I don't care if you have to pay more the way UFC does it with ESPN+. Plus. That's fine. But I just want everything in the same place. Um I'm interested to see what they do with the brand, though, going forward, because it wasn't just an announcement that they bought the tape library. It was an announcement that that Tony Khan bought the whole company, Um, which, you know, that I'm interested in seeing the value of, because theoretically, like, Ring of Honor released everybody from their contracts. Ring of Honor allowed everybody to go be free agents. 
So you don't get any talent with that buy. You know, it's not like everybody that was on Ring of Honor is now, now Tony Khan has that wealth of talent and can start a whole new promotion with them. Like, that's not included. You'd have to go out and repopulate the roster and then run shows. But the problem with Ring of Honor was that they weren't drawing an audience at this point anyway. So you would have to do something different that would draw people in. And my question is, like, if AEW is not doing live events anyway, because they're like, well, you know, I don't know, I, because they don't know what the financial benefit would be to that, that's the only reason not to do it, then why would you run a Ring of Honor live show? It's almost like if you're gonna run Ring of Honor as a developmental thing for AEW, why don't you just run AEW shows, you know? Or why don't you just run AEW Dark as a separate thing? I don't know that, I mean, you know, it'll be interesting to see if NXT Stand and Deliver sells tickets. Stand and Deliver is not going on sale until Friday. But they actually are. They're going to be in the American Airlines Arena in Dallas. Uh, and it's the first time, it's the first time 2.0 has been in an arena. But it's the first time that NXT at all, black and gold or 2.0, has been in an arena since whatever the last takeover was before the pandemic. So it was probably probably around January of 2020, maybe, was the last time that, unless they did one in February of that year, because they certainly didn't for WrestleMania weekend. I don't even think they did anything for WrestleMania weekend. Then everything after that was out of the Performance Center. So or the Capital Wrestling Center for a period of time. So this will be the first time NXT is back in an arena. And, you know, tickets are only on sale two weeks before the show actually happens. I can't wait to see the show. I can't wait to see these superstars get the opportunity to have matches in an arena again. Uh, you know, and, and not just the new people, but I can't wait. Hopefully Pete Dunn will be on the show and Champa. I hope Dolph Ziggler sticks around and, and gets to tear down the house. You know, I wouldn't mind Dolph Ziggler winning the title next week on NXT. What are they calling it? Roadblock? I wouldn't mind Dolph Ziggler becoming the NXT champion. That might, that would probably be the way I would take it. Put the NXT title on Dolph Ziggler at Roadblock on Tuesday. And the story going in to NXT Stand and Deliver is Braun Breaker winning the title back from Dolph Ziggler. And that way, the moment that you get in an arena is hopefully you get people behind Braun Breaker and he gets to beat a big-time established superstar who, you know, a ma Dolph Ziggler is going to be able to take Braun Breaker to a great match. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like that's how, that's probably how I would how I would take it, just off the top of my head. But all that is to say, will people pay money for a brand that's an AEW developmental brand. You know, will people pay money to go to a secondary promotion if they know that the guy who owns it is the same guy who owns AEW? I'd rather go to an AEW show. I don't know. I don't know. You know, everybody's talking about Cody Rhodes. Will Cody Rhodes come back and, and run that? You know what I mean? Will Cody Rhodes come back and run AEW's version of Ring of Honor? I don't know. But what I do know is AEW had a pay-per-view on Sunday, Revolution, and what can you say? It was great. It was great. AEW puts on great pay-per-views. If you're a wrestling fan and you want to get together with other wrestling fans and you just want to watch good wrestling matches for like a while, AEW has figured out the formula for their pay-per-views. They're a lot of fun. Like, I, I don't know, as a, as a wrestling fan how you cannot enjoy that. Uh, I think, look, I mean, and maybe it's because I'm recording the podcast after the pay-per-view. They're not short by any stretch. And I feel like on a Saturday, no biggie. No sweat off my whatever. It doesn't matter. But on a Sunday, when we all got to go to work in the morning, five hours can be a lot. And you would say, well, it's only a four-hour pay-per-view. But when an hour 
of your show is the pre-show, right? It's a four-hour pay-per-view, but you've got an hour pre-show. And there are a lot of times you can skip the pre-show, but there are a few times you can't. One would be when I host it. Another would be when you've got three pretty important matches on the pre-show. I mean, look at what you've got. You got Chris Statlander wrestling on the pre-show. You're not going to miss a Chris Statlander match. You got the big trios match with 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 Alistair Black. I mean, Malachi Black and Pac and Buddy Matthews and Eric Redbeard showing up. And I want to say this about the former Eric Rowan, Eric Redbeard, because I was a little confused, you know. He wasn't somebody with as many people as are coming on board to AEW. I was like, oh, you know, I guess, I don't know. Maybe I thought there was an AEW mold that Eric Redbeard didn't quite fit. But man, when he showed up, as soon as he got in the ring on the pre-show, I was like, this is a different Eric Redbeard. And I was really happy for him. I was really happy that he was getting the opportunity to show what he's really capable of. It looked like he was in the best shape that I've ever seen him in. And awesome. Awesome that he was there. And you know what was an awesome moment? Him and, and Brody King squaring off and then just slugging it out, just duking it out. I thought that was absolutely awesome. And then Hook. What are you going to miss? Hook? You're not a wrestling fan if you're missing Hook matches, okay? So you can't miss the pre-show. And when you can't miss the pre-show, now you're talking about five hours. And it's five hours, okay? It's not like five hours, but there's going to be... uh Puff Daddy singing for 15 minutes in the middle of it or, you know, a Hall of Fame package or even there was no video packages. There was like no video packages whatsoever. It was just like music, music, match, music, match, music, music, match. That's actually something that one of you guys could remix if you want to. So it's a lot, but there's also nothing that you wouldn't want to see. Like, you know, when you're opening with Jericho and Kingston. Every match on the show counts. I thought Jericho and Kingston was great. I thought uh, it was really great. I felt great for the debuts. It's not an AEW show if we don't have some debuts. I felt great for Swerve. And this is what you got to pay attention to. First of all, the little things. Shivani, if you're introducing a new signee, wait until you introduce his name. Do not show the camera the paper that in big letters says swerve on it before you even start your sentence. Uh, and we've got a new signee. I know. I saw the paper. It said swerve. All that said, it didn't take away his moment because you want to talk about somebody that understands the little things and just understands the art. I was so impressed by this. Because when you have that debut moment, and I mean, AEW debuts people literally every single show. So you have got to make an impact because it is really easy to get forgotten about. And Swerve wanted to do the, you know, whose house, Swerve's house. But it's really important that you get that reaction because the reaction is not just for the moment and for that town. Local reactions, when they're televised, become the reactions that the fan base that's watching begin to be acclimated to. When Roman Reigns won the Royal Rumble and Philadelphia booed him out of the building, at first, people tried to say, well, that's Philly, that's what they do. But it doesn't matter if that's what Philly does because everybody was watching the Royal Rumble and everybody around the world heard Roman Reigns getting booed for winning that match. And it set in motion almost a Pavlovian effect where people go, oh, okay, this is what we do. We boo Roman Reigns. So when somebody like Swerve debuts on AEW TV, and look, a lot of fans are going to know who he is, right? A lot of fans are going to remember him from the Independence. I mean, he had a huge name on the Independence before he got to WWE. Of course, there will be people that remember him from NXT and that remember him from SmackDown and Hit Row and all that stuff. Plenty of people know exactly who this guy is, but there are people that don't know necessarily who he is, or at least don't know all the intricacies of who he is. And Swerve knows this, but Swerve also knows that the debut, the fact that he's coming out on a pay-per-view and just being introduced 
is his moment to look like a star. And so you can see it. Before he says whose house and lets the audience say Swerve's house, he can hear you and you can hear it too if you're listening, but most importantly, he hears it. A low chant, whose house, Swerve's house, whose house, Swerve's house, and he hears it. And he goes, okay, a less experienced ear, a less experienced voice would just lean right into it, yell out your catchphrase and leave. But he heard that chant starting. And so he called an audible and with Tony, he kind of cued Tony and moved forward up the aisle to be a little bit more in the crowd and acknowledged that chant that was building. And it made it so the rest of the audience wanted to do it with it saying, oh, this is what we're doing now. And then the chant starts growing and growing to the point where even people that showed up there, not necessarily knowing whose house Swerve's house, become aware of it. Everybody knows it. And so when he says whose house, the entire audience hits him back. Swerve's house. And in that moment, the entire AEW fan base that's watching goes, this is what we do That's our guy. You couldn't have asked for a better moment given what the opportunity was for Swerve. And I was so happy for him because, you know, he's been on this podcast. I am a huge fan of Shane Swerve Strickland. I was before he was in NXT. I became an even bigger fan of his in NXT. I became an even bigger, bigger fan of his when I got to know him a little bit. He's just a guy that you root for and deserves every bit of success that he gets. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad. I can't wait to see the impact that he makes in this company. And speaking of making an impact, look, my favorite match of the night was John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. And that didn't surprise me. That was the match that I was looking forward to the most. That was, that, that was it. The, those two for me, especially right now are wrestling. Those are two guys that are at the top of their game that are doing this Strictly because they love it. They don't have to anymore. Neither one of them are obsessed with making millions and millions and millions of dollars. They just want to provide for their family, of course, but they want to do this thing at the highest level possible with the maximum amount of freedom possible so that they can do it their way. And those are two guys that I trust 100% of the time to do it their way. So when they're doing it their way together, I'm in heaven. I loved the match. I loved how violent it got. Oh, when they started kicking each other. And Daniel Bryan is uh, Brian Danielson has done interviews here on the show before where he's talked about how much he likes that hard-hitting style and that fighting style. And you saw it in this match. I mean, he does not pull his punches or his kicks. The finish was excellent. The fact that Bryan was a poor sport about it at the end was excellent. And then the surprise appearance from William Regal. And talk about somebody that I felt good for. William Regal getting that response from that audience is like, hell yeah. When they released William Regal, I go like, fine, if you don't want him on 2.0 anymore, but how do you not? I mean, he was he's in the conversation for best raw GM ever. How do you not find an on-screen role for that guy? But... If there's nothing for him, there's nothing for him. He goes over to AEW, and I hope he sticks around because the idea of Danielson and Mox developing that tag team, developing that faction, becoming sort of that school within AEW on screen, and having having William Regal be the instructor, having William Regal be the brain behind all of it, He's kind of like the uh, the old guy in Cobra Kai. What's his name? Who comes back and terrorizes Sweep the Leg Johnny? See, I think uh, Mox is LaRusso in this scenario. Danielson is Sweep the Leg Johnny. And William Regal is what's his name that I'm blanking on, but as soon as I'm done recording, I'll remember. And we're building we're building Cobra Kai here. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, What else was great on the pay-per-view? 
Obviously, the uh, MJF CM Punk match was was and a good night for Wardlow. Wardlow came across great. Obviously, what he did in that match specifically uh, worked to a T. The audience was behind him 100%. Um, I think he was the right guy to win that ladder match. Uh, a tough, tough ladder match for a lot of guys. Most of those guys, it was their first ladder match. So we should give props to Christian, who I'm sure had so much more to do with it than we realized. Um, I thought the match was excellent. I thought the storytelling within the match was excellent. MJF is so far beyond where he should be at this point in his career. It's insane, actually, to look at. CM Punk coming out in his Ring of Honor gear with his Ring of Honor theme was awesome. I do wish, and this was happening in this match, but in other matches too, I feel like the one element that the commentary team is missing is the storytelling. I feel like the enthusiasm is there for the product. I feel like the uh, calling the moves, you know, kind of differentiating the product by spending time calling the moves is there, and I'm fine with that. But I do think that especially when you've got a story, whether it be Jericho and Kingston, or more specifically Punk and MJF, like, really tell the story of this match within the match. Tell the story for people that maybe aren't watching every single week. And explain, as soon as CM Punk is coming out, don't just say, oh, that's his Ring of Honor gear. Like, really, like, get into it. What and why? And immediately, you know what I mean? Like, like, what is this? And why is this? And what does it mean? Like, break it down for me. Like, I'm an idiot. I, I, I think that that would have would have added to that moment, but the match as a whole was was incredible. Um, I do, and this is just the fan in me. I do. I, it was a great night for Eddie Kingston. Big win for Eddie Kingston. Uh, who else was there? Big night for Jade Cargill. Nice big entrance for her and everything. Um, I do wish that Thunder Rosa had won. Maybe that's just the fan in me. Maybe I'm just over here cheering for the good guy, but. They, I'll tell you what they've done. They've made Britt Baker a heel. And that was tough. People love Britt Baker, but they made her a heel. I just, I wonder, and I'm sure Thunder Rosa eventually will get the title. But I do wonder with stuff like that, timing is important. And did you miss your moment? Is it, and, and, and maybe not, maybe it'll still happen. But I, as I'm watching the show, I go, I wonder if they missed that moment, because I feel like Thunder Rosa could be a household name. Like, I'm just a Thunder Rosa fan. And I, I think Sunday could have been the night to really crown her. But I guess I guess we'll see as things move forward. And, of course, great night for Adam Page. Great win for Adam Page. I was glad. I was worried that they were going to finish the match right after all the goofball interference stuff, but I'm glad that they uh, spaced it out a little bit. I didn't mind all the goofball interference, but, you know. Um, but I thought he came out looking strong, and it was all good. Uh, I'm probably right, you know. I, I, I think, you know, I'd like to see Adam Cole as AEW champion at some point, but this match, there wasn't really a huge story going into this match, so I, I guess I didn't feel like it was the right time for Adam Cole to have that moment personally, you know, soon. I think absolutely soon. So that's what I thought, you know, I, I mean, AEW's got their formula and it's great. It's amazing how much former NXT talent is there now, especially with William Regal showing up and, and, and Swerve is there now. And it's just, it's just, it's an amazing time for wrestling and it's an amazing time to be in wrestling. And the fact that people really do have places to go and, and, Man, AEW is writing checks. AEW is building a roster. Who knows? Maybe that. Maybe this is part we were talking about it. Maybe this is part of the Ring of Honor plan that they're gonna, you know, have this humongous roster and it's gonna be enough for two different promotions. I don't know what the plan is. All I know is they put on five hours of of pretty sick wrestling matches. So props. I appreciate you guys. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash notsamwrestling. If you want, and leave a review over there on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, they let you leave reviews now. So leave a five-star review. 
And if you want more Not Sam Wrestling, uh, patreon.com slash Not Sam Wrestling is the place to go to become a Not Sam show. While the pay-per-view was on, we were all in the Discord talking shit and talking about what was happening. And uh, yeah, we did the Zoom before the pay-per-view. It was a lot of fun. So check that out if you're into it. And I will see you next week here on Not Sam Wrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at Not Sam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been Not Sam Wrestling. Not Sam Wrestling.